There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi guys, this is Claire Kramer, aka the Great Glorificus, and you are listening to the Buffy Back Issue Bed. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Bin, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, we are recording this on Thanksgiving <laughs> because we don't have time. Except for right now. Honest. Too honest, probably. Hey, you know, I appreciate that we actually had a day off. <laughs> we laid out like, when can we do this? Oh, tonight. Tonight is the night. Thanksgiving night. Whatever, we had a day. We had our turkey and stuffing. Love stuffing. That's my stuffing left over in the fridge, not yours. Oh. Did you eat the stuffing? No, I didn't touch the stuffing. Just checking. Touched a little of the stuffing. I didn't. <laughs> it was worth it for that face. I could also make the stuffing at any time in the year, but whatever. This is coming out closer to Christmas. Is it really? Uh, Merry Christmas, know. everybody. We're not there yet. I'm currently wearing a sweatshirt that says Fa La 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 Llama and has a giant llama on it, so tis the season. <laughs> I would wear it anyway. But let's do this. We are talking Buffy. The arc is Love Dares You. Also, there's like a two-part thing at the back, too. Well, yeah. It's called Relationship Status Complicated. Dun-dun-dun. Facebook. Do people do that? They're always like most needy and whiny, attention-seeking, grabbing people. Wow, that was really harsh. If that's how you feel about your relationship, that's okay. Don't don't publicly put that out there. What is that? That people can feel whatever they want to feel like. Do you feel the need to project it? Sure. Mm. Leave people alone. Eh. Issues one through three of this are written by Christos Gage and Nicholas Brendan. Also with art by Megan Levins. Issues four and five uh, written strictly by Christos Gage with art by this season's regular Rebecca Isaacs. I'm going to tackle a couple of things up front and then I'm not going to dwell on it just because I'd rather look at the positives than the negatives. Me too, always. Just let me okay. have my like 20 seconds of this. Enjoy. I, I won't because I don't like being negative, but it's at least worth noting. I'll do the negative and then the positive. The art for these first couple is not my favorite with the new artist, Megan Levins. It's a little more cartoony than we're used to, and I don't know if it quite fits in tone with everything. And her hands are weirdly proportioned. Like, they're weirdly large hands on everyone. And the noses are a little... as well. But I will say, on the positive side, the thing that I like most about her art is she does an excellent job of conveying emotion. Mm-hmm. With body positioning, facial expression, there is never any question on any page what anyone's emotion is supposed to be, and she does that a fantastic job of it. I'll move on from it and not bring it up again. So there you go. Thus, your 20 seconds. I actually kind of like the brighter colors. They're more solid colors, more primary, more cartoony, but I don't mind it. It's just, I think it's more just so different from everything else we've seen in Angel or Buffy throughout this whole thing. Yeah, it's not like it's off model, but it feels tonally different. Yeah, yeah, and I guess just because it's in the middle of this season, that's that's where I'm more jarred. So we start off, love dares you, double dares you. Triple dog dares you. With speed dating. Is there something above triple dog dare? I don't think so. All right. Yeah, we start off with Buffy speed dating. When we were just at the con, they had some, like, Comic-Con speed dating. I actually thought about that, too, while I was reading this. I really wanted to go, but they were like, no couples. I'm like, 
but I want to see. There was a lot of, um, there were quite a few sessions of it too. I know. There were a couple every day, I think. You said I wasn't allowed to take off my wedding ring and go do it. Because you have a giant indent on your hand where the wedding ring goes. And tan line. Yeah, it's super (laughs) obvious that you just took it off. (laughs) I'll just cover it with the other hand. (laughs) Casually. The whole time. Just hold my right hand in front of my left. Don't look at my left hand. Everything's fine. And normal. I'm not here just to check out this spectacle. Yes. But Buffy goes to speed dating too. And we see some arrangement of gentlemen one of them isn't looking just to hook up he's looking for a lifetime commitment of kids home in the suburbs and everything nice and buffy's like boring pass actually what she says is that's really sweet and so refreshing to hear this isn't gonna work out which is good that buffy knows that and then she meets some hardcore punk or probably a whiny emo son of a gun well that was nicer i thought you were gonna be he has blue hair. Yeah, you know, blue mohawk, bunch of piercings, fishnet shirt, overalls. You know, that guy. And pretty quickly, Buffy also turns him down. And then meets someone who knows who she is. Because you would, because she's been on the news in tabloids. Right. And she was like... Part of a reality show tangentially. Wasn't she like number one most wanted person or something? And then we, she meets a Buffy fan. Or, you know, not really. A guy who is happy to point out the flaws in all of the vampire lore. It's like, I know who you are. You know, I'm just going to read it. I know who you are. And I have some questions. Like, moonlight is just reflected sunlight. So why does it kill vampires? If vampires don't breathe, how can they smoke cigarettes? Good question. That one's a great question. I feel like the moonlight sunlight thing I can get over pretty quickly. but well, It's just part of the regular old lore. Yeah. And if vampires' hearts don't beat... How can a male vampire have sex? Because you need to have blood flow in order to... And Buffy just says, security. Also, not a bad point. But this is something the fandom has brought up, and usually people can, you know, create their own headcanon to explain it. Perfect. Doesn't really matter. Do you really mean to discuss that? No, it doesn't. And then a vampire shows up who's also super excited (laughs) to meet Buffy. He's like, you're not the one with the vampire fetish, are you? She's like, um, not for you. Then another vampire runs into him, and they're both hardcore punks, you know, because they both have exposed nipple rings. Mind you, they're both wearing full shirts. They've just casually both slashed their shirts such that you can see the nipple rings. It's confusing. Not great. If this scene tells you anything, don't go to speed dating. You'll see a lot of nipple rings in... Punkness. Yeah. Woo. Hardcore. But these two vampires with nipple rings get in a standoff. They're like, hey... I was here first. The other one says, she's a woman, not a possession. Check your privilege. I hate this guy. But just to make you hate him even more, the two, uh, both of their nipple rings get caught. Entwined, if you will. Yeah. And then Buffy just pushes past them, tearing out both nipple rings with a foot long spurt of blood. It's super gross. Coming out from both of their respective nipples. It's super gross. Good. You deserve that. Ew. But Buffy also decides that speed dating is not for her, which I feel like we all knew. Speaking of failed love. It's back to Don and Xander, who just happened as pals to go to the Princess Bride back in theaters. And then as pals, they go to a restaurant and Don is like, no, this is no longer as pals. You know, they really missed a chance for Xander to be like, as you wish. They did. They really should have. It was right there. Yeah. It was right there. That's actually really good on your part. Come on, man. And I don't know who I'm even yelling at here. I don't either. Xander, I'm yelling at Xander. So yeah, they go to a romantic French restaurant and Don's like, you know, friends? And then she leaves. Yeah. Xander's like, what about the food truck? And she's like, no, bye. 
And then more love. Willow is with our nude snake lady, who we have now well established her name is Alowen. Yeah, but... We, we called her nude snake lady for a while. But here's the confusing part, is that I read this and I was like, wait, did I miss the part where Alowen came back? Or where she and Willow ever talked again? Or anything? Yeah, because... And the answer is, no, I didn't. Yeah, but... They, they haven't seen each other since Willow Wonderland. That was what it was called, right? They really not seen each other since? Didn't Willow get, like, advice from her or something at one point? I don't think they have. But either way, like, Willow says, like, it's, you know, things were weird earlier in the season. And now Alowen has come over and they're on a date. And then Willow leaves... She's like, oh, you're a trickster and creepy, and I'm not all about that. But she's going to meet Alowen tomorrow for battle strategy to help protect the realm against all of the new magical laws and rules and doohickeys. Yes, to protect against the doohickeys. And then we get by far the creepiest one. Yeah. But I do like our opening line from Olivia. If you don't remember Olivia, that's fine. She was in three episodes, I think, total. In fact, you know what? I'm going to double down on that. She was in three episodes, and I could tell you the three she was in. Episode 401, episode 410, episode 422. Is she in any other season? No. So decisive. Also, Boom. also, how many times have you watched the show again? Can we just <laughs> talk about that for a minute? I'm gonna, I really hope I'm right on those. I feel like I am. That'd be hilarious if it were like, I don't know, you just, yeah, we're wrong. You know, I can't remember the name of 401, so I just want the episode numbers. It's okay. How do you not remember the pilot name, but you remember it? All of the episode numbers that Olivia is in. Because 401 was the pilot where Buffy went to Giles for advice. And she went in and it's like, oh, you're having sex with this woman here. She was just wearing Giles' shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, open the door. She's like, ah, this is uncomfortable. Yes, it is. And then she was in Hush. Okay. And then she saw one of the gentlemen and she was like, really, it doesn't work for an audio medium especially. I can't, um, I can't I really do that. I really wish that everybody else could have seen that. <laughs> she put her hand to her mouth aghast. Yes, aghast is a great expression to use there. And then she was in 422 Restless in the dream sequence of Giles where she's going to a fair with, like, um, and Buffy. Oh, okay. I would believe that. Anyway, so Boom, Olivia. got there. Who's just hanging out on her phone I Still can't remember 401. Ugh, I'm going to remember it five minutes after we finish this. Yes, you will. And then you'll tell me, and I will say, that sounds right, <laughs> because I don't remember episode titles. Could look it up. I'm not going to. I want to get there myself. Literally, we have the DVDs within five feet of us, as well as, you know, the internet. Yeah, whatever. But there's a knock on the door. Olivia opens up. She goes, Rupert. She's also British. Can't do the British accent. Thank you for not trying. We all thank you. Rupert. No, bad. You went the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. And, you know, this is 13-year-old Giles greeting his old lover. And he kind of gives her the whole story. He's like, hey, you know, it's dead. Then I came back. But, you know, I'm still me. She's like, you, it's not really Giles. What kind of catfishing scheme is this? And he tells a story that proves that it's really him. And then he tries to have sex with her. Yeah, he's like, so I know you're always like a little bit unorthodox. So how about... Banging a minor. And she was like, no, absolutely not. In every way, no. And he was like, I just thought, and she was like, that I'm a pedophile. And he's like... (laughs) No. Well, like, as he doesn't even, like, proposition her, he makes a full-on move. Yeah. She's like, no. And then Giles, because he's Giles, but in a tiny hormonal body, has a little temper tantrum that she won't have sex with him. Right. Which is hilarious. And she's like, so right. When you grow up, come see me. It's like, even 18 is legal, so even wait till then. Yeah. Yeah. But probably older because she's like in her 40s. 
I I don't know. Yeah, she's got to be, but it'd still be weird. Everything about like it would be maybe weird. Maybe early 50s. Yeah, either way, all wrong. All kinds of wrong and weird. Like the reader. Remember that movie? Um, I remember Hugh Jackman's opening song monologue where he goes, The Reader. I didn't have time to see The Reader. I'm like, me too, buddy. Didn't see that one this year. I saw that. You didn't ever see that? I didn't see The Reader, no. Wow. I know, I've seen weird. everything. That's but I, so weird. I also... There are never movies that are like like real movies, not like... I know, I missed The Reader. And you know what? Clicks. I didn't think The Reader was ever going to come up again. Yeah, I missed that one. I'm sorry. Wow, I can't believe you didn't see that. Yes. I'm dwell I'm... on that for a while. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, back to this. This is unrelated. But Giles is disappointed that he is now officially turned down. Because he's in this weird spot. Like, you can be like, go after girls your own age. But that doesn't even make sense because he has the mind of a middle-aged man. So it would be really weird for Giles to go after, you know, a 13-year-old girl. Right. But he can't go after an adult. Because he's in a like teen, young teenage body, like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of deal. Right. Yeah, he's in a weird predicament. I know. Poor but we Giles. leave him to go hang out with Andrew at a party. Yeah, Andrew's at a party. A party of a coven. A witch's and wizard's coven. Yeah. And so while they're all hanging out at the party, Andrew's friend takes him over to see a vial of potion. And this is magic potion that will make you your best self. She also points out the cute leader, Clive. She also points out that the magic potion has never worked for anybody before, but it's kind of a nice little... Initiation. Ritual, rite of passage thing. Clive looks like Grant Morrison. I'm throwing that out there. Everyone with a bald head looks like Grant Morrison to me, side note. Okay. Matt Lauer looks like Grant Morrison to me. You just found out that Matt Lauer was bald today. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Everyone but you the... used that reference, so Every... good for you. You know, everyone with a bald head is Grant Morrison in my eyes. All right. Andrew drinks the potion. He's like, don't feel anything, which all makes sense. Nobody else says either. And this girl, Julie, she's like, hey, I saw how you looked at Clive. Don't you ever give any thought to love? And he throws out a nice little Indiana Jones reference. No time for love, Dr. Jones. I even got that. That was Indiana Jones. Right? Which one? Um, the third one? Uh, first one? Well. Not the second one? It's it's the second one, but it's the first one chronologically. It takes place a year before the first one. Ugh. Even though who watches them in that order? Also, who even likes that one? People. People like the Temple of Doom? I know. Huh, there you go. Just convinced Spielberg was trying to get laid. Learn new things every day. Side note, that's the woman that he married, but... Anywho, okay. so... Andrew's like, I never really think about this stuff. Then he turns to her, he's like, Julie, I think I'm gay. Who the hell is Julie? Julie is his new BFF at the Coven but in he... Oakland because the Coven is not in San Francisco. Yeah, but yes, California. I know. I know, I know. That did not make it into my cut. I bet it did not. But you mocking me did. Good, good. Somebody needed so to. So this is massive for Andrew. Yeah. Like, literally, since Andrew came on the scene, very obviously a gay character... Which sounds harsh. I don't mean it to. No, I know what you mean. And I hope that, dear listener, that if you have seen the show, you know what we mean as well. Yeah. Andrew has always very much played up gay and there was a little bit of um, some playing with his sexuality. Like, is he, isn't he? Like, his last episode when he was in, um, boy, I'm really forgetting episode titles tonight. In 520 of Angel, when he's off in Italy, he leaves to go to a party and like these two beautiful women go to escort him away. I guess the original idea was that was a mistake in the casting. It was supposed to be like beautiful women and beautiful men were with him. So it kind of like threw out this whole like, you again, like the whole Izzy isn't he That would have been so much better. Yeah, than just like two beautiful women. Yeah, that would have been so much better. I mean, 
not that it was bad, but just... Yeah, right? The original intent would have been better than what we saw on screen. Well, also because it was never... I appreciated that with Andrew, it was never addressed in any way. That it was just kind of like, Andrew is Andrew. Yeah. And we're not going to dwell on, you know... Which works for to a point, but now that Andrew... I don't necessarily know if I would call him, like, a main character of these books. but He's cer- certainly not minor. He's he's a reoccurring guest role. Maybe even a special guest. Maybe. I don't know the difference. Is there a difference? I think contractually there is. Ooh, fancy. But as Andrew has this realization, which is a realization, like, Andrew didn't know it in his own mind. The sculptor busts in. We saw the sculptor briefly in the last arc. It is just a big old pile of flesh and eyes and teeth and random ribs that's, we'll call them 15 feet tall. That likes to eat people and turn dead people into his minions. Yeah, Um, and and also meat. Like, it doesn't really matter what kind of meat. You ever see that Treehouse of Horror episode where they have the gas that turns you inside out? I don't know if you ever showed it to me. Probably. I'm not, I'm talking to the listeners in general. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking to me. I have not seen it unless you physically put it in front of me. I probably, I'm sure we have. That's a great one. But if you ever, no, it was the fog. The fog that turns you inside out. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's what the sculptor looks like, essentially, but 15 feet tall. Also with a couple random arms sticking out of his back. Well, he's sculpting them. Yep. And Andrew sees this and turns into his most idealized self, which is basically pre and post Chris Evans in the first Captain America movie. Yeah, but he like hulks out and rips his pants and his shirt. And the sculptor's minions in half. His tiny inside out minions. Yes. And Andrew is the hero of the day, scares off the sculptor, and Clive comes up to him and says, basically, you're a superhero. (gasps) And Andrew feels good about himself for the first time... A while. Ever. We're all very excited for Andrew. Before we can dwell on that, we cut over to Spike and Dowling. Spike and Dowling, who has a fun new hairdo, are investigating a crime scene with a bunch of dead meat that the sculptor took. But they don't know it's a sculptor yet, side note. So convenient. And then Dowling is like, hey, you still in love with Buffy? And Spike's like, shut up. You're in love with Buffy. Yeah. You Buffy lover. Yeah, so we're pretty clear on that front. Dowling's like, yeah, we went on like half a date once. It's all fine. I do like that Spike takes a shot at Twilight. Then now that the book series Twilight is popular, how does that work in this specific world since Twilight was a big evil thing that killed a bunch of people and almost ruined the world? Well, they never actually say Twilight when they're talking about the sparkly vampires. Yeah. So. Maybe it's called Twinkle because we actually know it's called Twinkle in this world. Yeah, so I think that's what it is. Go back to the old IDW days. Twinkle, baby. Twinkle. Was it part three of a four-part trilogy? I like that. Yes. So Spike goes and he tries to find information about flesh golems. Which are what we find out that the little minions are called. Um, Of the sculptor. Yeah, the sculptor is kind of the big dude in charge. So Spike goes to the poker game. They're playing poker, right? Yeah. Of Of his demon friends. Demonic peers. Yes. And we see that Spike pays for this information. They're like, hey, do you want to play a game of poker with us? We're playing for that currency that was established in season six, kittens. Who, that doesn't, that never made any sense. You could just, you could buy kittens. It doesn't matter. Kittens aren't a form of currency. And if you want to eat a kitten, just go buy some kittens. Don't eat the kittens. Kittens don't make sense as currency. Well, it was a funny gag, but it doesn't make sense. They make as much sense as poker chips. You can go buy poker chips. When you're playing with people, like, the chips equal money that you then get. Yeah, I think the kittens equal things. No, I think the kittens just equal kittens. I like the kittens. Yeah, they're going to eat the kittens. That's the point. Just Except... go buy some kittens. Except Spike cracks his knuckles. Are he... you ready for a showdown? He steps in and he says, I thought we put an end to this. Bad PR. True! Eating kittens is bad PR. 
But before we find out about Spike's brawl, cut back to everybody discussing their little vignettes they just had. Yeah, like, I'm sad that speed dating didn't work. I'm sad I broke up with a snake lady. I'm sad Xander is trying to be my friend, but taking me out to romantic movies and restaurants. And then they all eat ice cream together, which is awesome and fair. And then everybody's like, Buffy, why are you sad about speed dating when you should just give Spike a chance? You never give anyone a chance that could ever get close to you. Buffy's like... Because you're selfish. I would give that... I would give people a chance, but but I don't like it when you guys talk to me like this. You're bad at girl talk. This is a very vignette kind of issue, isn't it? It is. I didn't realize it until we're trying to describe it. <laughs> yeah. And going back to Xander and Spike's apartment, Xander is talking with ghost Anya. Corporeal Xander is talking with ghost Anya. I really enjoy calling him Corporeal Xander. And she's and... like, hey, stop being a major creepo towards Dawn. It's and like, Xander's like, I just want her to be happy in every way. Stop it, ex-fiance, who's dead. But... And then he hears a knock on the door. And we see that it's Spike, and he beat up all the demons and saved the kittens. There are six of them. They have six new kittens, and he drops them off with Xander, and Xander's like, what do I do with six kittens? And Spike is like, get him a litter box? Bye, I'm going to do police things. And he leaves Xander alone with six kittens, which seems terrifying. Don't leave Xander with six kittens. Leave him with the girls. Don killed Kitty Fantastico. Do not leave them with the girls. Leave them with Willow. Willow lives with the girls. Leave them with Willow. She's a witch. I mean, I guess she did turn all those demons into kittens that one time in that Spike mini. That's because kittens are great. Do you remember that when they were in Vegas? Yeah. They were going to beat up Spike and then she's like, kittens! And she I turned Drew that. into a kitten. I love kittens. I say I love Drew. What would you say if I showed up with six kittens? I would say return them. Return five of them. <laughs> I like how you just automatically know that the lure, the lure of the kittens would be too much. Return four of them. I don't think we'd return any of the kittens. Please don't do that. I don't. Why would you put me in that situation? I don't plan on showing up with six kittens, but I'd just like to know that if the situation arose and I needed to show up with six kittens, I know they wouldn't go anywhere ever. We have the maximum number of animals I want to own. Possibly one more than I want to own. But we like them all. We do like them all. That's not what I said. He's a good boy. And Ghost Anya loves the kittens. That's because everybody loves the kittens. But Anya hates bunnies. I also like that um, the kittens are not scared of Ghost Anya. Yeah, they kind of like, ooh, ghosts. (laughs) Ooh, this is a fun new game. And... Spike walks out into the hall and sees Buffy, who's also leaving the apartment in a huff for being told that she never gives anyone a chance. She's like, hey, you gonna go kill some stuff? He's like, on my way to. She's like, all right, I'm coming. So they end up in a graveyard. Who'd have thunk it? A Bay Area chemical-free green graveyard. With some awesome flush golems. What mean? Chemical-free green graveyard? Is that a thing? I don't, I didn't even read that part. I didn't look it up, but I don't know. Must be. That sounds like some... Hippie thing. In California? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a real San Francisco thing. Not an Oakland thing. Let it go, man. Uh, so they funny, though. It's so funny. I can't tell anybody, but everybody on the podcast. I have all the editing power. I know. And the two of them are fighting flesh golems, hacking and slashings with a scythe and a shovel. And Spike brought a shovel. Buffy brought the scythe. Spike brought a shovel. And in all fairness, he seems to be doing... As well as she is. I was going to say, they both seem fairly effective for decapitating slash slashing through these flesh golems. Life is great. And they dispose of all of these assorted flesh golems. And Spike asks Buffy if she's feeling better. She's like, yeah, you always know just what I need. And grabs him and gives him a big old smooch. Really undercut the moment. Why? With smooch. 
Oh, you did. Yes. I thought it really undercut the moment that Buffy was wearing like tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> Real season two Buffy. Hey, she looks comfy. And if you're going to go kill things, like be comfy. Oh no. Buffy does not always wear the most murder appropriate clothing. I'll be the first to admit it. But today she actually is. So I'd like to give Buffy some credit there. Yeah. And the sun rises as the two of them kiss. Well, okay, spike... the world turns rosy. I'm not really sure the sun is rising so much as we're seeing it through their rose-colored glasses. I think the colors are telling me that the sun is rising and Spike's about to die. Start of issue two, it's the middle of the night again. Yeah, because I'm going to the rosy-colored world. Issue two begins Buffy and Spike are playing tonsil hockey. Take a quick five-minute recess for Buffy to be like, hey, we've never actually been a thing for as much as it's been, you know. Are you a Bangle fan or a Spuffy fan? Stupid names. I really hate those names. You've never told me those names before. I didn't know they were things. Oh, they're the worst. Bangle or Spuffy. What about Riley? Riley? I don't think anyone has a Riley one. I think it's an either or. I like Riley. I know you like Riley. He's more normal. Look, uh, I really hate like internet couple names. That's your own fault. Yeah. Do this not sound just like a form of vomit to you? No, but I like Bangle and Spuffy. Uh, I, I regret saying these to you. Now you get to live with that forever. And Buffy's like, hey, we actually never gave Spuffy a real go at it. Because, you know, you were soulless. I was really depressed about coming back from the dead. And then there was the year that we were just working as friends and now you're back and all that stuff. Or those like two years, I guess. Whatever. Season seven, season ten. Wait, we're on season ten, season seven, season nine. <laughs> Wait. What's happening? And she says that she'd like to give a shot at an actual relationship between the two of them because they've never actually tried, really. And Spike is kind of taken aback by this, mostly because this is not generally the rhetoric that comes out of Buffy's mouth. He's like, yeah, we've been working on this whole friends thing, and it feels like since I've been putting an effort into just being your ally and your friend and I haven't been pursuing you, is now when you want it. You only ever want the things you can't have. Which is so true. And also, okay, he brings up the Buffy Xander thing that happened for a half a second. Was it last season? Twice. It happened twice. And I. Or thrice. And then it kept getting ignored every time after it. Like, well, yeah, like they realized that it was not a good idea and that nobody liked it. Yeah, and so like, they got rid of it and then they'd bring it back for like a second. In season eight, when Buffy saw Xander and Don kiss and she's like, oh, you don't like me? It's like, what are you doing? You went through gay to me. It worked when Xander did it, but then Spike tried the, almost the exact same line. He also went a little further with it. He's like, what's going to happen next? Andrew? Willow? Giles? Should have stopped with the Satsu thing. Willow? Oh, you mean should have stopped with Xander saying this way well, no. back when? Well, I mean, he should have stopped and was like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he <laughs> said you were with a girl. And you're not gay. And then going with best friend Andrew, you know, someone who's gay, or 13-year-old Giles, and then me? Oh, yeah, he uh, took it a little too far. Buffy agrees, glares at him, and she's like, you know what? Bad call. You suck. And leaves. And so Spike is feeling very distraught, so he goes home to mope about it with his new BFF, Xander. Yeah, this is a little strange. Xander and Spike were... Fine, I guess? I can't even call them friends. I was going to call them contemporaries. They weren't even really that. Spike never liked Xander. Xander never liked Spike. I mean, Spike lived in Xander's basement for a little while, but like... But that was just funny because they hated each other. It was like forced. It was not yeah, Spike, enjoyed. Spike tried to beat him to death with a wrench, but he still had the chip in his head, so it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And now, like, Spike is going to Xander and telling him all of his feelings about Buffy and all of the things that he did wrong in this conversation. And I know the two of them have been spending more time together, but this feels foreign to me. 
Yeah, and then Xander's giving him life advice and via love... Dr. Mike and like... And love advice. And one was Xander ever about Buffy and Spike. When he found out about it, he had like a major meltdown. Went home, got drunk, all this, you know, it was like the end of season six. You know, the happiest of times. Yeah. I know it's been some time since then and they've, you know, spent like time hanging out at bars and whatnot and they've been living together. But I don't know if I buy the two of them, like, let's talk about our feelings. It just feels too much like like they needed both of these characters to express themselves some way. Just because, because no one else is there. Like the only yeah. person we've ever really seen Spike open up to, Buffy. Yeah, or even like, I mean, occasionally, I could even buy Spike opening up to like Dowling or... I couldn't even buy that. A little more than Xander, because Xander knows too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's easier to open up to a stranger than it is to open up to somebody that you know sometimes. I I could argue Fred. I could argue Fred. But but do you know what I mean? There's like an element of too close. Yeah, like Xander and Buffy have a different relationship than Spike and Buffy have. And those two relationships would seem to, you know, butt heads. Yeah. Whatever. Anywho, so while they're talking about their feelings, Andrew, super muscular Chris Evans Andrew, jumps through their window, use a door... Goes to the angel school of thought. Why use a door when you can jump through a window? Yeah. And, in fact, Andrew is showing off the fact that he can jump super high, just like Superman. Golden Age Superman. I figured that was important. Yeah, pre-flight. Silly. (laughs) Sorry, I said pre-flight. That made me think of the song. And then he mentions that Earth's mightiest heroes need to assemble, that he needs the help of the super friends. So many references. Love it. Keep it coming. Do you like comics? Just a hair. Weird. And Andrew takes Clive and Julie, who are there now, to meet in the girls' apartment with everyone. The whole gang's there. And he's like, hey, we know where the sculptor is. You guys killed some flesh golems. We've heard he's a bad dude. Let's go mess him up in this meat company warehouse because he has turned all of the meat into flesh golems. You don't want to say soul glutton. So gross, though. So gross because it's like this... So Amorphous blob of meat. Yeah, the sculptor is his own weird thing but he just made like a mountain of flesh bodies and they're all like melted together it's so gross but effective and they're all trying to do things willow and giles are zapping it with magic buffy has a scythe spike is just pulling pieces off so is andrew with his new strength xander has a flamethrower that doesn't look like a flamethrower where is the fuel on that thing don't worry about things like that that's all i think of when i look at him like huh i know shooting a lot of fire from that paintball gun whatever and don has a crossbow because buffy just does not care she used to be so much like don you're not getting in harm's way she's just like come on don let's go kill a thing and clive who's there because you know he has magical bits too along with julie the two of them are about to be killed by these mountain of flesh golems and andrew rips them in half rips the flesh golems not andrew not julie and clive sorry just so we're clear i just want to make it clear look he takes a bunch of pink flesh rips it in half he beats up this bubblegum that's attacking him. He didn't become evil. Yeah. And then he rips the entire thing in half and appropriately says gross. It is gross. Because he ripped up the bubblegum demon. And with that burst of the mountain of flesh, all of a sudden the sculptor also vanishes. He's like, you know what? Time to go. And they're all standing victorious over this gross... Splattered warehouse. Of just gelatinous meat yeah and don says oh man that is rank which is fair i bet it is so gross and clive goes up to andrew's like you saved our lives i don't know how to and andrew grabs him forcefully goes thank me i have an idea and they kiss and that kiss 
reverts Andrew back into his regular form. Because apparently the way this potion that he drank worked is once you kind of accomplish the thing you were looking to accomplish in the deep recesses of your mind, you will revert to your own self knowing that that has been resolved. Right. And so we're kind of left to wonder if the destroying of the flesh demon thing was what reverted him back or if the kissing of Clive thing, but either really? way. Was there a question? I kind of read it as the kissing thing. Well, he didn't transform into his fancy new body until after the flesh golem showed up. Yeah, but he did it to, you know, impress the guy. That's true. Anyway. That's how I read it, but. So Andrew's back to be Andrew, and he is not pleased. And he doesn't know what to do. Like, he's dealing with emotions and feelings. He's never really confronted, and he's freaking out. And Xander, who reaches peak weirdness. Oh, this is so awkward. It's supposed to be it, awkward. And I, I get, I even got that. But I read it and I was like, can this end now? It makes you cringe, so let's just do it. It's it's well written in the sense that it is exactly what it's supposed to do. Xander goes up to Andrew and like, Hey sister, way to do it for yourself. Dare I say that was fabulous? I don't know when you kicked down the closet door, but can I just say bravo? Not that it comes as a surprise to anyone. Of course, I just thought you were way down low. But it's a new era, right? Who even cares? You're here, you're queer, and I'm totally used to it. Oh, that hurts it just it's like broken glass just grinding together on your eardrum yeah from that first moment when he says hey sister (laughs) yeah oh boy let's just let's just not dwell on that so moving along andrew runs away as any normal person would he just goes i have to go and xander comes to the realization he's like i ever did the sport yeah you did yep yeah and you know since we're all having heartfelt conversations over piles of rotting flesh When else would we have these conversations? In a graveyard, perhaps? You know what? I want to go back to the French restaurant. Okay, great. That's where you have these conversations. Certainly not during The Princess Bride, though. Shut up during the movies. Wow. Also, keep your phones away. I was going to say, that would bother you more. You know what? I don't care that you're not calling people. I can see the light from your phone when you're texting. Stop it. Oh, I understand how angry it makes you. Oh, yeah. I've had to listen to the diatribes on the way home. Don't do it. But Spike approaches Buffy. He's like, hey, so about before? She's like, no, you're right. We should just be friends. I was being selfish. It was stupid. We've reached a really good place together. He's like, yeah, but I'm in love with you. And then immediately they run back to <laughs> one of their apartments. Xander and Spike's. Xander and Spike's apartment. So I... Slam some doors shut and things happen. They have a bunch of sex. But here's where it kind of falls apart for me. Spike says, I'm in love with you in the middle of this warehouse. And Buffy gives him a look. And then we have no sense of the time lapse. They're just immediately back inside of Xander and Spike's apartment. And they're having a bunch of sex. And just to make it more comical, everyone is in the other apartment that's on the neighboring wall. And they seem to be well settled. They're playing video games, just sitting about. So this doesn't work in any sense of a timeline. Right, but... Because you could like make the argument like Buffy and Spike ran out and then they started having a bunch of sex. As quickly as they could, except everyone else seems to have been back in their own, the other apartment for a while. Yeah, and Xander's worried about his maquettes. He should be worried about his maquettes. He can hear them falling and crashing because of all of the rompous sex. And Giles is just upset about his forced celibacy. Yeah, because, you know, we He's talked a child. about adult in a child's mind. Weird. Whereas I have the mind of a child in an adult's body. Huh. I'm opposite baby Giles. You are. You're man-child Zach. Never say that again. You're man-child Zach. <laughs> you sometimes talk with, I don't know, sometimes you talk about <laughs> child man Giles. What? Child man Giles. We're moving on. So, post-coitus, we see that Buffy and Spike are in bed together with some tasteful shadows to cover Buffy's boobs. 
And then Buffy has fallen asleep, and Spike is like, I don't want to go to sleep because I don't want to wake up and find her gone, which is sweet and sad at the same time. And Spike admits that he's the luckiest guy in the world, and he falls asleep, only to have a dream of him killing two people. And then he wakes up in vampire face. And it's really vicious, the killing of the two people. Oh yeah, it's hardcore, like, I'm biting you hard and making a mess and just getting in there. You scared the dog. Sorry. And the cat. You know, scared everybody. You two don't have to be here. They do, though. They do. And Spike wakes up in vamp face and concerned. It's like, yeah, it was just a dream. It was just a dream. Do you remember that Nelly song? I heard it on the radio the other day. It was only just a dream. It was only just a dream. I don't. You don't remember that song? No, sorry. I was thinking about her. I was thinking about me. Thinking about her. Who was going to be? Not ringing a bell. Maybe if I heard it. Huh. You, ma'am, are no Nelly. No, but you don't remember that song? I guess That's not. legitimately how that song goes. Believe you. I just, I don't remember. So... It's weird, because it's not like so far in the season, there's been another vampire with weird dreams. Vampire. Oh, right. I didn't even think about that. Are you kidding me? No, not one bit. It's been, it's been quite the, quite the fall. Has it been after the fall? I was going to say quite the week, and I was like, nope, it's been more than a week. And I was going to say quite the month, and I was like, nope. (laughs) We'll go with quite the fall. (laughs) No, after the fall, we'll be in January. So... The last issue of Love Dares You before we get into relationships that is complicated begins. Buffy and Spike wake up the next morning to have a cat in the middle of their bed. Also, there's that. I also really enjoy that Buffy did not wake up looking perfect. Like, in the next couple panels, her look immediately affects itself. But but the first panel, I'm like... Her hair is a little all over the place. Makes sense. Spike's hair is Spike-like. I don't know quite what he does, but, you know. But, you know, they wake up with a cat. Looking at you, cat. Never happened. Every day. Every single day. He's been going under the blankets recently. It's weird. That's weird. Be a good boy, Charlie. And Buffy's like, hey, so you're here in the morning. Are you evil like Angel after that time we had sex? (laughs) And then, (laughs) so, like, the most awkward thing that she could have said to wake up to. Yeah. Hey, good to see ya. Um, You want to get breakfast? Hey, remember that time I had sex with Angel? Yeah. And Spike's face also says all of those things that you are thinking. He's like, come on, man. And talking, you were talking about how the artist was really good at conveying these emotions. There's a lot of things that are said in these panels where the words are only, hey. and Which is what comics should else. be. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a medium that you don't need to over explain. What with it being words and pictures. Like that museum? Yes, thank you. I got a piece from that museum, you know, in my store. Is it a turtle? It is life-sized. Is it bigger than me? Are you less than life-sized? Are you fun-sized? Yes. So Buffy's like, ha ha, oh, that was awkward. But just to be clear, you're not evil, right? But I really appreciate the cat that's just there to divert attention away from everything else. Which is true. We've never actually learned the rules of Spike's soul. Yeah. Does he just have it? Can he lose it? I, mean, I feel like because he went through pain to get it that he doesn't have the same rules as Angel. Well, those were dumb rules to put on Angel in the first place. Yeah, but Angel's was always meant to be a curse. It was it was always meant that he could never have perfect happiness because that would defeat so, the purpose of the curse. But then he goes back to being murdery? I don't know. The curse should have been if you feel happiness you burst into flame. That would have been not great either. But then the show would not have gone on that much longer yep so spike's acting a little dodgy he's like hey it's not because of that awkward reference you just made it's because i just had a bad dream about gruesome murder 
The two of them get dressed and Spike runs off to the location of the murder that he had in his dream only to find two dead bodies there. They happen to be the same dead people that Spike saw. So, that's no good. No bueno. I also like Spike's cape and hood. He has a hood with a badge so he doesn't burst into flame and sunlight. Yeah, but because they're in an alley then there's no light so it's good. So Spike then runs home to talk about his feelings to Xander again. Yeah. Still not buying it. Yeah, and then Xander reacts by getting a stake and a cross and being like, I think you're basically the Angelus of Spike. Yeah, hey, no, buddy, um, I bet you totally didn't kill those people that you saw in your dream that are dead, but let's take some precautions here. Would the Angelus of Spike be William the Bloody? I mean, we know that guy. I'm going to go back to the IDW series where he's like, heart was stronger than the demon thing. Yeah. Which we kind of saw anyway. Yeah, okay, anyway. But Spike agrees to tell Willow and Giles so they can try and figure out what's happening. But he's like, but don't tell Buffy. It's like, but I don't know if I want to tell Willow and Giles. And Xander's like, don't worry, they're your friends. They'll respect you. So they immediately smash magic cut. him. Yes. I was they... saying smash cut. Smash okay. cut. So they immediately magic him and tie him up with red magic bands. And Xander's like, what's with the crimson bands of the Sidorak, Dr. Strange reference, yo? Even I got that. And Giles is like, these aren't from your silly comic books. These are not the crimson bands of the Sidorak. These are the scarlet bonds of, you know what, not important. <laughs> Equally silly names in our world of vampires and demons. I also really appreciated that moment because how often do I make fun of all of the names of the things that you tell me? Often? As often as I can, especially the X-Men. What? I know, I think that Iceman is pretty silly. That is a silly name. I totally agree with that. There's a bunch of them that I think are very silly. In the future, he becomes an ice wizard. Um, the Purple Man? That is Daredevil and Spider-Man. I understand that. Jessica Jones. But it's still a silly name. It is a silly name. That's not a threatening man. The Purple Man. (laughs) That's like, that's like, I don't know. The Magenta Man. It's like somebody who's cosplaying as Barney would be the Purple Man. (laughs) That's all we're talking about here. But Willow and Giles agree that they'll do some spells to try and figure out if Spike is killing, because, you know, he's done that before under the influence of the first, or what's going on. So to keep Buffy occupied, Xander takes her over to Oakland to see Andrew to talk about his... Weird outburst? Recently discovered homosexuality. Oh, I meant Xander's weird outburst, not not Andrew's. Well, that too. No, I mean, Andrew's outburst was, gotta go. Yeah. And they go in, and Andrew has a very interesting perspective. He's like, you all say that you knew. I didn't know. These weren't feelings that I knew that I had or knew that I was repressing. This isn't something that I was comfortable with. Now it's out in the open, and I feel like I'm the last one to the party. And he doesn't know how to feel about this. And Xander's like, you looked pretty comfortable when you were kissing that guy. He's like, I don't even know how I feel about it, because I was super muscular Chris Evans, and now I'm just me. So did he like that version of me, or me, me? I don't even know. I don't even know what I like. It's a very well-handled scene, I think. And there's another point, I'm probably not doing it justice in my recap. There's another point, too, that that you haven't mentioned yet that I really liked. See, you didn't do a good job. Xander says that he apologizes for his outburst, that he was like, that was probably too much. And I really like that Andrew here just says, no, I really appreciated it because, yeah, it was silly, but but it's a really big deal to me. Like, everybody says that they knew, and it's probably not that big of a deal to them, but it's a really big deal to me. So I'm glad that it's a big deal to somebody else. That's, and I yeah. thought that was really... You know really, what? I missed that. I'm bad at this. I thought that was such a sweet, kind, and generous way of looking at a really awkward thing that Xander said. Because Xander 
honestly meant that in the sweetest, kindest, most supportive way he could. I mean, the show and the comic work best when they're hitting human moments. Like, yeah, you know, metaphor is fun and violence is fun and visual and the soap opera aspect is, you know, engaging and all that. The stuff at its core is at its best when it's hitting, like, these, like, raw emotional bits. Well, and I also really appreciate, because so many things in comics and in life, people immediately jump to the worst conclusion, you know, the worst everything, everybody's assuming the worst intentions. And I really love that there's this moment where Andrew's like, no, I'm gonna, I was able to see what you meant to say through what you did say. And I'm appreciative for what you meant, even though it came out wrong. I don't know, that's just really kind. That's just a a thing that I wish happened more in this world, in our real world. Yeah. And Xander has a moment with Andrew. He goes, allow me to give you some perspective on someone who's been in therapy for three whole months. I do like that line. I know. <laughs> it's a very Xander line. It is. You're upset that you spent all this time avoiding something you should have figured out. Understandable. How are you dealing with it? By avoiding it? Falling into the exact same dysfunctional pattern? Boom. I just blew your mind, didn't I? Buffy says, Xander may have put it in the most obnoxious way possible, but he's not wrong. You make mistake after mistake, and each time you say to yourself, I'll be on guard from now on, I'll never do that again. But you do, because no two situations are exactly the same. New things are scary, so you do what feels comfortable, what feels safe. The voice inside you says you're protecting yourself, but all you're doing is doubling down on the pain you're used to. Sure, if you take a chance, you might get hurt in a way you haven't before, and that could be horrible, but you also might be happy. And don't you deserve a shot at that? And I think that's really kind as well. That's a really, that's a really lovely way of trying to help Andrew figure this out. And Andrew's like, I don't know. I've done things. I've hurt people. And Buffy just like gets right in his face. She's like, yeah, I know. And she like lists off all of these things. And then she goes, and I say you deserve a shot at happiness. So take it. He goes, yes, mistress. And Xander goes, that didn't turn you on. He's like, no. He's like, okay, yeah, you're gay. Ridiculous. Apparently Xander likes very strong women. Let's not dwell on what Xander likes. So moving (laughs) along. Spike is being tortured left right and center by willow and giles trying to figure out you know what's causing all of these things and it comes out that something in his brain shows these vampires who are hiding off in a little nest that happened to be nearby buffy and xander so buffy and xander go they kill these vampires the whole building comes down around them with fire buffy goes hey are you aware of the fireman's carry xander's like you want me to carry you and the next panel buffy is running out of the building carrying xander which is so sweet and funny And also predictable, so Xander really probably should have figured that out, given that they've been together for a million years now. Yep. And then Buffy and Xander return to the apartment. Um, They're like, hey, good news, Spike isn't a murderer. She's like, Spike's not a what now? And everybody's like, oh, right. So, so while you were off with Xander, not because we needed you out of the scene for a little bit, but because we needed you to talk to Andrew, uh, we figured out that Spike didn't actually murder the people that he dreamt that he murdered. Or maybe something else is happening. We don't know. Buffy's understandably upset about this. She doesn't like being kept in the dark. And Willow decides to break off from the group for a minute to go see Alowen, where she says that they have to break up. Not sure they were ever together, but hey. Right, I didn't even get from the first scene that they were together. I just thought that Alwyn wanted something to start. I've never got from any sense that they're together. I just got the sense that they had a bunch of sex. This is a smutty book. You're just now realizing that? We've had this conversation. Have we? <laughs> yeah, I think so. In real life or on microphone? <laughs> Both. Probably. And Alwyn's like, we don't have to like stop seeing each other. Like, I don't care about monogamy, clearly. And you know what? I really like that Willow's like, that's really nice, but... 
I do care about monogamy and... Well, she does now. She's like, I'm not that same person. I've grown, I've changed, and I don't want this. And I hope we can still be in each other's lives. And then Alwyn kind of magics her away. Conveniently, she put her back in her own house, though. It's convenient. And Buffy and Willow have some ice cream to be sad about life. Okay, but here's some Buffy growth. So Willow clearly just broke up, I guess, with Alwyn. And she gets back and she sees Buffy eating ice cream and she's like, so did you break up with Spike? Buffy's like, no. I need to figure this out and breaking up is not going to solve that problem. Once upon a time I would have, but that's not who I am now. I was... And I'm willing to try and get to the root of whatever this problem is. Yeah, I was just really impressed with Buffy's reaction that she could realize that she could be sad about what was happening in her relationship, but it didn't mean that the relationship was over. Like, she could have a range of emotions and still be a part of that relationship. That being said, on paper, that sounds like growth and stuff, but when have we ever seen Buffy throw in the towel of a relationship? It's true. Like, with Angel, she was willing to stick all that out. With Spike, she broke up with him, even though... They were never really together. Kind of like a Willow Allowin situation. And with Riley, he Wallowin. left. Wallowin. Did I say that? No, that's what I would say for their internet couple name, Wallowin. Wallowin? Did I slur? No, but isn't that great? <laughs> Sounds like Willow a Willow Allowin, Wallowin. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted your whole speech to say Wallowin. But Buffy's never really been the one to throw in the towel. No, it's true. It sounds like more growth than I think is actually there. It's true, but Buffy's general MO is to kind of cut and run when things, when get, things rough. get rough. So it's yeah. not like it necessarily is about relationships, because her relationships have all kind of ended due to other circumstances. But the idea that she's choosing to stay instead of run yeah. away. Going to hell. Being broken up with. Being caught by an ex. I skipped a relationship. I totally skipped Riley in there. Poor Riley. Poor Riley! <laughs> Going to Central America. Okay, again, though. Anywho, moving on to the latter half of this arc. Relationship status complicated. We have an arc change, by the by. Oh, yeah. Rebecca Isaacs is back. I mentioned that up front. I like Buffy's hair. What'd you call that? That's called putting a headband on and then tucking your hair around it so it looks like a roll. All right, there we go. <laughs> what a formal name. <laughs> The next arc begins, and quick gist. There are still kittens. <laughs> That's the most important part. It is the most important part, but look how they grew. How much bigger now. So how still kittens? They grow fast. I know. Let's get a kitten. No. Let's get six then. No, 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 no. Is that six no's? <laughs> Throw a few others. No, 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 no. So I heard that we could get three kittens. <laughs> no. Quick gist, Buffy needs to go into Spike's dream space. Hey, the dream space is back. Mm -hmm. To figure out what's happening with all these murders in his dream so they can move on. But it has to be Buffy because Willow's going to control the spell. And it can't be Xander or Don or anyone else because there is a physical threat in there. And the only one who's going to be able to stand up to that is going to be Buffy. So, off they go. But it's kind of like the Matrix. To sleep. If... Buffy dies in there, she dies in real life. It's exactly like The Matrix, except she doesn't need guns. Lots of guns. I haven't seen that movie in years, and I was able to pull that out. I've never seen it, so that reference was it entirely lost on me. It has not aged well. There you go. So, here we go into I'm, Spike's... I'm sure people disagree with me. I don't care. Into Spike's dream space. So, Willow is there as a floating blue head. She can talk to Buffy, and Buffy can talk to her, but Willow can't see what's happening in the dream space. Buffy sees all of Spike's recent memories. Hanging out with Xander, considering putting that he gets the Shanshu in the magic book, and that him and Buffy are happy together forever. Talking to Dowling. Having a kitten. Then, she also sees somebody holding a pair of fuzzy handcuffs. Because of that sex that he had with Harmony in London. And Buffy's like, he had sex with Harmony? And then she goes deeper into the dream and she sees like all of the sex with Harmony. 
She's so grossed out. She then goes deeper into the dream and sees herself again. She sees how Spike sees her, and it is beautiful. Yeah, she goes... He... I... I don't actually look like that. I mean, maybe on my best day? Glowing? And she's seeing herself as Spike sees her as this kind of, like, perfect person who is... Yeah, who's everything. And she realizes that nobody else is in that light in his dream space. It's not... Not harmony, not any of this weirdness. Like, Buffy is front and center, everything in his mind. Yeah. And she dives deeper into Spike's brain and sees a bunch of murders in his past. And she starts to follow a line and she sees Spike getting his soul back. What the hell? I haven't had an opportunity to bitch about this ever, so I'm going to take this time now. Are you sure that you haven't to me? Probably. Okay. It hasn't really been in the context of the books, but we see the moment where Spike is getting his soul back. And I know it was supposed to be this whole bait and switch, like you thought that Spike was going to get his chip out or whatever. I'm... I don't think I will ever be convinced that that's not what Spike went for and that he has just lied about it all this time. I know he's like, I fought for my soul and all this crap because it's the dialogue that does it for me. Spike goes to this demon in that random cave and he fights so that he can be what he needs to be to deal with Buffy. And the line that makes me think that Spike is full of crap about like him getting his soul back, he goes like, bitch is going to get what she deserves. Would you say that about someone that you were fighting to get like your humanity back for? bitch is gonna get what she deserves i always read it as the demon tricked him it was like okay you got your reward your soul and it was like this whole like double cross on him i know everything afterwards has never ever treated it like that but i have always read it as the demon did a bait and switch and spike just lied about it later i don't know just it's that line that line kills it for me if they because i know it was supposed to be the soul like haha it's not what you thought it was but you can't Give me the line that Spike attempts to rape Buffy, then gets beaten up, and then leaves town, goes to this cave, and goes, bitch is gonna get what she deserves. Would you say that about your attempted rape victim that you were then trying to do better by? Does that play? No. No, not at all. There's two ways of reading it. A, crap writing, or B, Spike got duped. And when you have to deal with what's on the screen, I always kind of fall in the line of Spike got duped. I'm not gonna disagree with it do you know what i mean i do i do i just you can't go from attempted rape to bitch is gonna get what she deserves and that be oh it was to better himself yeah it doesn't make a ton of sense i'm i'm with you that's kind of indefensible or i think it is if you think it is then hey email us it's a weird moment but we're talking about the dream space not about that particularly anywho but yeah so buffy sees that spike was getting his soul back and that it was very painful and she sees memories beyond him getting his soul back of killing the nicky wood in the 70s that slayer going back to chinese rebellion killing that slayer and just being regular old william the bloody and starts to follow a trail of... yeah there's like a black line because buffy is flying because it's a dream and that black line leads into it leads into drew through her mouth i love drew i know you do so buffy dives through drusilla's dream space and then goes to one angelus is siring her goes into his dream space and then goes into darla's dream space when she's siring angelus it's a whole family affair goes all the way back to the master and then collapses in front of a demon this is a giant red demon with like bones on the outside and a weird bone headdress skull combo thing it's very cool looking this is yeah it's a very tough one to describe um we'll say he is 20 feet tall fully red very svelte but his ribs are on the outside his head is a skull but with um giant spiky skull hair he has eight spider bone 
legs coming out of his back, and his hands are giant bone claws. And he also has cloven feet. I tried. Oh, he also has kind of these tendons in between his bone lips for in his mouth. Yeah. I did my best. Look you him did up. Your best. His name is Arceus. If you haven't read the book, just Google it. Yeah, he looks cool. It's a great creature design. Yeah. Arceus is kind of a silly name. They're all silly names. Okay. Wallowin. Buffy. Yes, exactly. Let's start there. Perhaps we should go to Spike next or yeah. Angel. Oh, should we do a fun voice effect on this guy? I think I only have one feature. I haven't tried out the other ones. We'll do it on you. <sighs> oh, do I get a voice effect? I never get the voice effect. Do you get a voice <gasps> effect? I'm going to do this for the whole season, though. Slayer! So nice of you to visit. I am Arceus. Welcome to my humble hell. And then he gets out a guitar and he starts doing this like pretty metal riff. That's not true. That only happened in Mad Max. Love that movie. Yeah, I know. It makes one of us in okay. this room. Ugh. Do you remember the first time we saw that? It was just like streaming tears of joy. Yeah, and I was cold and it was raining. And it was a drive-in. Which is the perfect way to see that movie. And Buffy starts getting these scrapes across her body in the real world that Willow can see. They try and get her out of the dream. They can't. So instead they do the other thing. They wake up Spike. And if, hey, Spike's not dreaming, then Buffy's not in it. So she comes back to life as well. So Xander gets Spike a cold glass of blood. Yeah, some sort of blood. Which is so fun. Nobody gives Buffy anything, though. Poor Buffy. But I love this. We literally haven't seen, like, because the glass of blood was such a thing for both Spike and Angel, both shows. We literally haven't seen that yet in the comics. The glass of blood is back, baby. How have they been eating? We don't, I guess we don't see the other Z, but you know, still, this visual is back. It's been a while. We haven't seen this since 2004. Oh, that was like 13 years ago. So. Oh, this didn't come out 13. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Conveniently, Giles is right there as well, because we need him for exposition at this point. Yeah, and Buffy explains the whole, like, line of vampire things, and we go back to old story that vampires are demons who are trying to break into this dimension from another one and it's out that it's the same demon going into the same kind of line of vampires Arceus has been trying to break into the world through the master through darla through angel through drew through spike and they're all the same demon and spike's reaction is like shagged myself and buffy's reaction is well technically twice because he also banged angel that one time let's never forget that and Buffy's reaction is... I fell in love with the same guy twice? And Spike's head whips around and he was like, you did what? I'm sorry, what was that word you used? That was a key word there. I heard that word. Rhymes with glove? She's like, I don't say anything. And Giles is like, oh yeah, I've heard of this Archaeus creature. Archaeus literally means the old one. What doesn't literally mean the old one? You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it doesn't. Oh, In gosh. what language does it mean that? I'm going to look this up later and see that I'm wrong. Well, I feel like Arceus has a better chance of meaning the old one, but how many times have we talked about the old ones or the old one in all of these things? Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like, eh, does it? I don't know. Let's check the Latin. And Spike's like, look, I'm sorry you were in my brain. I'm sorry that you saw all these terrible things, like the many random times I've banged Harmony. And Buffy's like, look, I didn't know you back then. You didn't have a soul. Like, I know that you were still you, but... You've changed. You're better. And also, let's go have some therapy because we got a demon to kill. Yes. So off they go. Poor Buffy thinks that she saw Arceus and Spike's dreams, the port of San Francisco. And while they're in there, they're attacked by a bunch of the new vampires in giant bat form. And then Arceus jumps through and they're like, why does he need minions? He is very tall. 
He has some very weird bone spider arm things. We've discussed the bone spider arms. It's kind of like if he had wings, but then the wing like webbing got taken away. Look, let's go back to 2007 here. It's Civil War in Marvel. Tony gives Peter the iron spider suit. He has the three metal spider arms coming out of the back. Just add five. Okay, keep going. Made it work. And they all just attack him. They're like, kill it, kill it, kill it! And the short answer is it doesn't work. Yeah, Buffy cuts off one of the spider arms. They're all just getting beat up. They have swords and axes and magic. Flinging about and Archaeus just goes, Smell that, Slayer blood. Nothing quite like it in the world, is there? To Spike. He says that to Spike. And Spike's like, I'm not your minion. And then he becomes his minion and attacks Buffy. Yeah, pretty much. So we end that. He has the Oz moment from season four. Run to Buffy. Is that such a great moment when he does that to Tara? Yeah. Yeah, good times. Yeah. Reminds me of that. Yeah. Learning from Oz. Miss Oz. Bring him back. Bring back Oz. But thus we end this issue on a cliffhanger only to turn the page, find out what happens next. That's how a graphic novel works. And what we find is Spike is remembering the good times, killing that slayer in the rebellion, killing Nikki Wooden, taking her coat that he's not wearing anymore because it got blowed up in Italy. Yeah. And a similar coat. Yeah, right now it's a cloak. Well, I really got annoyed that season. Like, Spike got shot with an automatic weapon and the coat, like, blew up with a bunch of squibs and then it was fine the next scene. I was like, what happened? But then they blew it up bigger the next episode and they got annoyed. I'm like, okay, forgiven. So anyway, we're back to Buffy and Spike's in vamp face and he's about to bite Buffy. And they're like, oh no, he's under the thrall. There's been so much thrall this season. Every arc, we got thrall. But that's going to continue for the next two. We got, you know what, the next one, there's more Thrall. Is there really? Yeah. Is so, there the one after that? I don't probably. know. Thrall, every arc. So much Thrall. So Buffy starts Wait. to fight, kind Wait. of, with Spike? Is that the episode title for this one? Thrall. I'm calling it So Much Thrall. So weird. Why? Is that not a good one? No, oh, it's fine. So all of the vampire bat things are attacking the gang some of them are trying to fight Archaeus and Spike is trying to kill Buffy not very effectively he just keeps on like opening his mouth and he's like ah, ah and Buffy keeps holding ah. off with the scythe but not with either end that could kill him kind of with the middle staff part so Buffy drops the scythe in front of Spike just essentially goes you know what I trust you I know you won't kill me I know that the love you feel for me is more powerful than whatever this jackass over here is doing not in so many words I should script these. <laughs> should you? Yeah, probably. Okay. Spike then immediately goes for her throat, as one does. One is a vampire. Or to give her a hickey. A playful hickey. Doubt it. Gonna make all those capillaries explode. Ew. I'm surprised that you remember the word capillaries. <laughs> Thanks. Well, you don't normally remember, like, I don't know, medical terms. <laughs> Full transparency. We lost the end of the episode. Well, not lost. The audio just fell apart for whatever reason. So this whole podcast is a lie. We're pretending it's one big conversation. It's two. Okay, this whole podcast Look, isn't just... a lie. Just this last <laughs> little bit from here on out. I was, really, I was cutting the whole thing and then I was like, why did the audio fall apart on me? It's un- unusable. So we're going back like, what, a week later to do it? So sorry if we repeat things that we said or don't say things. Oh, who the hell knows? We're just going to do this. We're going to power through. We're doing the best we can. Yeah. Donate annoying. to Patreon if you want to help our sound <laughs> sound quality it's go never up. never happened before. Easy does it. The sound quality is pretty good considering. I think it's probably my computer. Anyway, back to the issue. But right before Spike is about to go in for the kill, he has memories of killing Slayers before. That one from the Boxer Rebellion. I also couldn't remember the word Boxer Rebellion before, so I just kept on saying Rebellion. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it was the like... Boxer Rebellion. There, so that's the plus side of coming back. I remembered which specific Rebellion it was. But while he, he remembers killing the Slayer in the Boxer Rebellion, 
He also turns to see Buffy in his dream space when she witnessed the same murder. So it goes from thrush, taste, alive, thrill to turning to see Buffy and just going shame. And the same thing with Nicky Wood. He's killed Nicky Wood and the art shows him he's, you know, cock of the walk. He's strutting about. I think you said thrush before. I think you said thrush, taste, alive, thrill. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's a thrush there. What? There's not a thrush there. That's not a bird. There could be. Is there one <laughs> during the Boxer Rebellion? No, there was one in The Hobbit. Eh. Anyway. But same deal. You know, cock of the walk. And then he turns and he sees Is that Buffy. Your new favorite I'm phrase? saying cock of the walk. He's a foghorn leghorn, if not a giant chicken man. Wow. We're just going to move on from that. You went weird on this re-podcast. Well, when I was cutting a different episode, I was annoyed when Faith was fighting a giant chicken that I didn't make a foghorn leghorn joke. (laughs) So I'm just bringing it all back in. So you're just going to use all of the things that you wanted to say. Before, yeah. That's the the benefit of revisiting. Okay, sounds good. Same thing, sees Buffy as like sorrow. And then instead of killing Buffy, he doesn't cluck like a chicken, but he does yell no. Yes. A dramatic no. We're like, no! And he takes the scythe. And he slashes at Archaeus going, I'm no one's puppet. Never again. Except that he was legitimately a puppet. (laughs) Five seconds ago. And he's been a puppet. No, like a real puppet. Oh, he's also been a real puppet. You could also buy that puppet toy. Could you? Oh, we talked about this a long time ago. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah. Did I ask why you didn't buy it? Why would I buy a puppet spike? That was before the puppet spike book even existed. Just Puppet Angel was so popular, they made a puppet spike, too. I asked that because we may or may not have some Buffy figurines behind us at this moment. And I'd rather have a puppet spike. I got those on a deep discount. Well, puppet spike should have probably also been on a deep discount. You know what was sad today? Puppet spike. Um, I was just thinking about that. Today is the fifth anniversary of Franco Uru's death. Speaking of... How do you know that? Uh, Brian Lynch put it on Twitter. That is really sad. Yeah, bit of a bummer. It's also my friend Shara's birthday. Oh, well, unrelated. Circle of life. But Spike swings at Arceus with a scythe, who then just tosses Spike aside gently. He's like, ten feet taller than you. Also of some weird bone material, so... And I'm much stronger than you. You don't know how to work a scythe. You're much better with a shovel. As previously established in this arc? Like Wolverine? With the truck? Yes, I like when he hits the truck. (laughs) It's the realest emotion I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) Striking an inanimate object in rage. I'm like, I understand this movie now. (laughs) I understand his character motivation entirely. It's the realest thing I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) Hitting a truck with a shovel. Anyway, what were you saying? I just got distracted by Wolverine. But while Spike is thrown aside... Archaeus, you know, has some big bad guy things to say. He's like, I'm your boss, sucker. Not exactly, but that idea, I guess. But the scythe goes flying. Buffy catches it and goes, well, yeah, we're family. It's It doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound, dear listener, like that makes sense because it doesn't. So. Okay, goody. We're just going to move on. It's like season five all over again. Let's we'll just keep on hammering that family thing and until it just really bugs the hell out of you. Or you, as the case may be. Whatever. <laughs> Look out. There's one slayer, a vampire, a witch, Dawn. Two normal people. <laughs> one of them who's sad, one of them who's Dawn, and then a teenage or a young teen Giles. And they all rush Arceus to be immediately beat up again. Like, awesome plan, guys. Yeah, Arceus is like, then die together. Pretty much, yeah, that's kind of the deal. But of all people, Xander comes up with a plan. Xander? The saddest person here. But wow, wow. Weirdly, the 
most practical, so... He does come up with a good plan. Just for him. Because everyone else's plan was, let's run at it and get hit. Okay, that didn't work. What do we got to do now? I don't know, run at it and get hit? Let's get back in another line, then run at it and get hit. Look, usually I'm all for lines of people running into the thing epically. You actually really love that. My favorite is when two lines of people run at each other. I know. It's weird that I know that. <laughs> it's a very specific thing it to like. It is specific. But Xander's like, all right, everyone fall back. Xander's got this. Well, you know, from a strategic point, I'm not actually going to do anything. No, but I mean, this is very clever. And I like that this is set up because it all makes sense. Oh, he, totally. He finds um, some structural pillars in the room. And basically, he's like, if we break these, the whole thing's coming down. Load-bearing pillars, if you will. Yes. So he tells Willow and Giles to zap, zap, zap them. They do. And then Giles goes, run! <clears throat> and the whole building collapses in our case. And they're like, they're there. He's dead forever. Except he's not in any way, shape, or form. But they all know that, at least. Nobody's that daft. And we return to the apartments, leaving him under rubble, calling it a day for now, I guess. Yeah, they're like, we're going to regroup and try and figure out what we want to do. We don't know what we want to do. And Xander goes to Don, who's in a kimono. I like it, though. It's a very pretty kimono. It's like, hey, I know I've been trying to force this recently. And so many of us have been under the thrall of different things in recent arcs, also possibly future arcs. How many times do you think you said thrall in this episode? Unclear, because I lost 16 minutes. <laughs> I don't remember if I already made but that joke just or not. Wanted to throw it in there. Well, because I already—I don't even know if I established that that's the title of the episode yet. So <laughs> I don't even know. No. I, had, I had to make sure I beat it in there at least one more time, awkwardly, not smoothly. Thrall. So much thrall. Anyway, moving on. And Xander's like, "Hey, I know I've been trying to force this relationship, and you know what? That's not working. No more romantic movies. No more romantic dinners. I guess that's the end of romantic things." Yeah basically like um i like being your friend so let's just honestly be friends and not try and do things one-on-one and don's like what about dating other people Is that this arc? yeah and xander's like look i'm gonna be really sad but it's gotta happen we need to move on in some way it's the right thing to do oh xander in all fairness it is you can't force a thing no he's not wrong he's usually wrong but he's not wrong here no he's not way to be occasionally right no oh. Twice in a row. Yeah, right? The pillar thing. Well, I mean, the rest of the Sark is going to fall down around his head, so let's give him his moment. Okay, cool. And everyone who's functionally useful to the group is in the other apartment talking. Yes. Harsh, but harsh, true. Yeah. Very harsh, actually, but... So Buffy, Giles, Spike, and Willow are talking, and they don't know what to do. They're like, Archaeus is too powerful. What are we going to do? If only we had some other kind of supernatural allies that we could call to help deal with this that may or may not be connected to this lineage. But we don't know anyone like that. We don't. And then the book ends. Poor Spike. Because everyone is just skirting around the issue. Poor Spike and Buffy. Let's be honest here. Well, I guess, yeah. It's awkward for both of them. Well, it's true because Giles and Willow have had their interactions. But it's going to be the worst. Well, I guess it was pretty bad for Giles. Giles actually probably had it the worst. Yeah. He got over it. But it's going to be pretty rough for Spike and Buffy. Mostly because there's a new budding relationship. And the Giles murder. If you haven't figured, <laughs> details, out, details. If you haven't figured out what we're talking about, Spike just goes, fine, come on, let's make the bloody call. And then Buffy goes, this is going to be awkward, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yes, Buffy, it will. <laughs> Basically immediately. And it's fantastic. And love you enjoy this. every oh, moment of it. this. Just soak it in. I actually remember <clears throat> when you got this issue, how joyed you were. Um, I say overjoyed, but that seemed too excited. But we do get probably the singular best page of dialogue in all of these comics 
to date and beyond. Are you Buzz Lightyear now? No, I didn't get my show canceled on ABC. He had a show? Well, well, actually, he did back the day, Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, there was a cartoon right. in the late 90s. No, I was talking about Tim Allen oh. getting a show canned. And people were like, ABC is anti-Republican. I think I've said this to you. Like, ABC is owned by Disney. One of their biggest moneymakers is Toy Story. You know, half Tim Allen. I don't think they canned it because they were like, we don't like this Tim Allen fellow. Yeah. Unrelated to anything. This is unrelated to every conversation. Actually, that was a really stupid thing that came up a few months ago. Probably close to a year ago now. Wait. bugged me. Wait, was this another mini monologue? Probably. It was definitely. It was about that long, though. Okay, let's do the page. You're going to be Baby Giles, and I shall play the role of William the Bloody. Wow. Okay. I understand how you must feel. As Spike pulls out his cellular device with the contact wanker. Which is really weird because we know that Xander is also wanker in his phone. How does he know the difference? Maybe they have pictures that go with them. It doesn't there's not. There's a picture. There's not. That is a generic male thing. There's no photo associated with it. Anyway, keep going. So Spike goes, I apologize for the lack of an accent. Bullocks, you do. If you tried to put one in there, apologize for no, the I accent didn't. you put in there. I did. It was unintentional. Okay. She always picks him. Always. In point of fact, she most recently sent him away. By sentiment way, you mean he was in a coma and then he went to live with Faith in England after murdering you? That was um, not in the script, so... Oh, actually a little bit. Yeah, for killing you, and now you're alive again. Thanks a lot. Spike, let me offer some advice. Try to imagine it coming from the mature man I was, rather than the squeaky voice child standing before you. The best way for you to approach the situation is to show your best form. Rise above any insecurities. Conduct yourself with the utmost maturity and grace. Right. Maturity and grace. Got it. Spike hits send on the phone. Hello, wanker. And who is on the other end but Angel? I think we've well established that without saying it. Says, you'd think I would have blocked your number by now. You would think that. No, because they're frenemies. Slash ex-lovers. Wow. Not dropping it. You never will. (laughs) I never will. I have heard that. That was another monologue for years before I interacted with the Buffy universe at all. Just gonna take that throwaway line and run with it. Uh, Yes, you will. Thoughts on this arc? There's a lot that I don't want to spoil for things that are coming, but I do like that we are creating some very solid interconnective tissue in between Buffy and Angel again that really hasn't happened to this level of what is being set up and what's going to happen before or since. And it really works for me because I'm not just invested in half the story, I'm invested in the full story. And also because you love ensemble things with all of your heart. I really do. And I just like it when Buffy and Angel are together, not romantically, but stabbing. I really like their stabbing. I also enjoy I also this like arc. when Spike's with Angel. Stabbing and bickering. Mostly the bickering. You really enjoy bickering amongst them. Um, I also really enjoyed this arc. I liked I liked all sorts of cool things about it. I mean, there's a lot of growth for characters in here. Xander and Don have a lot of growth. Andrew has a ton of growth. I like that it feels like permanent things have happened in here. That we yeah. don't go back to status quo at the end of this arc. That, you know, we're not all... There's some significant character changes that are not going to be reversed. Buffy doubles down on her relationship. Willow feels like Willow for the first time in a while. Yeah. Like, even when Willow was, like, after she got, like, the magic back and all that, but still, like, the whole Alloin thing and even her, like, just randomly dumping Kennedy all felt very out of character. And this is kind of getting Willow back to being Willow. And I like that a lot because, you know, enjoy the character. Yeah, I like it all. I like that Don and Xander are moving on for real this time, that it's not like the, yeah, sure, I'll give you space. Do you want to go to this romantic restaurant with me accidentally on purpose? 
and I hate to harp on this old thing that I hate, but comparing Andrews coming out to, I don't know, Billy, this is night and day better. Night and day. A movie starring Tom Cruise that had Riley in it. Oh, I really do. He had a weird mustache. Enjoy Andrew. But in all seriousness, like if you compare those two different storylines, this one works a million times better. I love that everyone cares for Andrew. I love that it's a big deal while simultaneously not being a big deal. Like it doesn't alienate anyone in any way. And I like that Andrew has conflicted feelings about the whole thing. That it's new and it's scary and all. It's just so well handled. I also really like. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, I, I guess. like Xander's. I mean, I don't really like his overreaction or awkward reaction, rather. But I really enjoy the conversation that he and Andrew have afterward. Yeah. Um, there are lots of good things. I like that Spike saved the kittens. Yeah. And I want them to come back again. And Buffy and Angel haven't interacted in two seasons. It's been a long while. And something to look forward to. Oh, yeah. I mean, they this was earned. Like They kind of had to have a year apart. What with the whole Giles murder? You have some tropes. Giles murder? No, you do. You personally have some tropes that you like to look for. One of them is characters earning their redemption. You gotta earn it. Another one is a slow burn character development. I do love a slow burn. You also really love epic lines of people. I also love that. You also love ensembles in any way, shape, or form. Damn right. You love witty bickering. Or regular bickering. (laughs) Preferably witty, but if you just have to bicker. (laughs) But... But yes, that is one of your favorite things in this world. It's nice having the two worlds connected so deeply. We'll see that connection get drawn out more. Side note, today, because we're recording this a week, we're going to record next week's episode tomorrow. Uh, We haven't had any official confirmation of a season 12. And even within the season 11 books, they said that if it was going to happen, it wouldn't happen for a while. But Christos Gage, the writer of this season of Buffy and next season of Buffy, Throw out a photo on Twitter of him and Joss. He's like, hey, we're just making up some stories together. I'm like, okay, cool. So probably season 12. Awesome. So there you go. Something Writer Summit. Look forward to. Yeah. So not definitely confirmed, but probably. Well, there you go. In my head, it's there now. So if it doesn't happen, I'll be sad. I know. You were always going to be. Well, the only thing we got coming officially is a Giles mini. And that would be a weird thing to end on. Yes, that's true. That being said, if you want to, you know, get that episode that we're going to record tomorrow a whole week early... Patreon.com slash Editor's Note Comics. Throw a buck our way. You get every episode a whole week early. Uh, in general, if you want to find us, EditorsNoteComics.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you could, you know, throw something at us on iTunes, a rating. Or send us an email and say hi. Or that. I like to say hi. Or tweet. I know some of you follow me on Twitter. You don't really tweet, so I don't ever pimp out your Twitter. I don't even know what your Twitter is. I don't remember. You made it for me so that I could watch football one time. Oh, when they had it on Twitter. Yeah, and then I started to tweet out dog pictures. Yeah, it was a good time. That's all I ever did. Football. <laughs> then the football thing went away. One of my friends looked at the Twitter profile that you created and texted me almost immediately after you created it saying, this was definitely not you. What did I say? Like, I'm here for football. I don't, I don't even remember what, what you said. It was like, I think it might have been like, I'm here for just like pictures of dogs and football, mostly the football, something like that. I don't know. Something like that. But my friend immediately texted me and she was like, it's definitely not you that created that profile. Anywho, don't <laughs> tweet at you. But yeah, we're back next week for Angel and we get to see the other side of that phone call and also Fred's alive again. So let's deal with that. Alrighty. So we will talk to you all later. Yeah, I guess I don't have anything that I'm done it. You've nothing witty. <laughs> Boy, I'm really, we are sputtering out here. Bye. <laughs>